Blog Talk Radio. I'm Bet America, Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. We've got a fantastic show coming up for you today. It is our very last program until the 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards, which is coming up next Thursday night at a special start time, 7.30. Voting is still available. If you haven't voted yet, you can do so now at our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Just follow the link right on the front page, and you can vote for uh, one or all of our six tremendous categories that we have. Once again, the categories Race Call of the Year, Foiled Again, Iron Horse of the Year Award, Larry Reinheimer's Small Stable of the Year Award, Horsewoman of the Year Award, the Ted Barkas Race Fan of the Year. More on that in a moment. And the Upset of the Year. Mike Carter will bring you in. I know you're excited to rock and roll next week. Our big award show It is our second annual award show, and it's going to be something special, my friend. You know, we work really hard all year to get to this point, Mike, and uh, we really, really want to thank all of our listeners um, specifically. Uh, For the last year, we have been doing this show, and Mike, it was about one year ago today that we started this show uh, full-time without our test show, and, uh, you know, listen, it's been a a fun ride. We've been very excited to bring this show to you, and we're super excited to bring the uh, second annual Post Time with Mike and Mike Award Show. And, you know, normally I don't like to do this, Mike, but uh, we did the award show a little bit later on in December last year. This year it's a little bit earlier, so we're going to have a couple of weeks uh, left in 2016, a couple of Thursdays left. And, Mike, I don't normally like to do this, bring up ideas on the air, especially without telling you first, but I do have an idea that I'd like to float on you right on the air towards the end of the year, maybe the last Thursday in December, maybe the week before that, a year-in-review show. 
Yeah, we actually we talked about this a little bit. Um, we talked That's about right. a, we tw- you know the best of 2016. We actually talked about doing this for Thanksgiving because we weren't sure you know who was going to be available, uh, who wasn't, and uh, things of that sort. But Mike, uh, you know it's uh, it's something that I'm looking forward to. And listen, if you have a favorite moment from 2016, shoot us an email, whether it be you know a favorite guest, a favorite moment. Uh, maybe it was one of those 20 times where Bozich, you know, told me that my show bets didn't matter, you know, whatever you think, whatever, and I'm being serious, you know, listen, that's what the best of 2016 show is all about. Um, I know one thing that comes to mind was the great Mac LaBelle, uh, story that we did early on in 2016, where we had that heartfelt interview with John Campbell and, you know, that's, you know, who knows, maybe that'll be one thing we kind of throw in there, but it's, uh, you know, if you have anything that you loved this year, send us an email at Mike at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter and let us know, you know, may, you know maybe we're forgetting something, uh, something big that uh, you remembered. Well, I'll tell you, you have my wheels spinning now. One of my favorite shows was the uh, 9-11 tribute show where we had Dom Rebello on. Of course, Dom is a, a former horse owner, super harness racing fan, a guy that is easily accessible on YouTube, puts a lot of videos out there from old and newer races, and he was actually in the Twin Towers uh, when uh, it got hit. So, you know, listen to that episode as well, but we could maybe play, replay that. That's one of my favorites. Uh, like you said, the John Campbell interview, the Jimmy Tacton interview when we were on site would always be Mickey uh, the day before the Breeders' Crown. I'll tell you, a lot of great moments on this program uh, at Post Time with Mike and Mike out there, and maybe over the next couple of weeks we'll have a year in review show. But anyway, first things first, we've got a show here today that we have to take care of. And, Mike, we've got a good one. We had a chance to sit down and talk to one of the uh, great leading drivers, not only in Canada, but, uh, in my opinion, the world. Doug McNair, he's accomplished so much at a young age, and uh, he accomplished uh, another feat back uh, last Monday when he took the uh, $300,000-plus Hap Hansen progress pace with Easy Lover Hanover at 6-1. to one. And, Mike, by the way, that exacta with the 6-1 uh, to one on top and check six, who was a 9-5 to five second, was picked right here, ice cold, on post time with Mike and Mike. So, uh, hey, we don't do that very often, Mike, so we have to give kudos to ourselves when we actually get uh, something to go right in the, in, the, in the gambling aspect of it. You, you know, it, it's funny you say that because uh, – and if I remember correctly, Easy Lever Hitover was the one horse, correct? That's correct. Yeah, see, we both, I think, were all over that horse from the rail. And so, uh, that you know, that doesn't happen very often. But you know what else doesn't happen very often? A Mike Bozich winner. So, you know, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. No, but, you know, that you know, listen, you don't get that very often uh, on, this, uh, on this program. Also uh, coming up tonight, Mike, we're going to sit down with Jessica Otten. We're going to talk some Aussie racing, my friends. We're going to oh go across overseas for the Inter-Dominion, where Hector J.J. has been the superstar so far. Lenny the Shark won, a, won heat, his heat the first week and then finished fourth last week uh, to a little bit of an upset. So that'll uh, that'll be fun as well. Yeah, we're talking off the air. First time Lenny the Shark has been off the board in, what, like 600 and some days? What a superstar he's been the whole thing last year. So we'll talk a little bit about that at the bottom of the hour. Gabe Pruitt will be on at about 7.15 in our ongoing series about Pompano Park. That continues. Mike and Gabe will talk about what's going on there. And, Mike, this was so much fun. I had a chance earlier in the week to sit down with all eight, not at one time, different times, 
but all eight of our Race Fan of the Year nominees. We had a chance to ask each of them a couple of questions about what harness racing meant to them and uh, what they did and how they got to be great fans. So it was uh, it was a pretty cool interview. I, I'll tell you what, I really had a good time. And whenever you can sit down and talk to race fans, it's tremendous. And once, like I said, you had a chance to vote. One of them is going to be the 2016 Race Fan of the Year. So we'll be hearing those interviews a little bit later on. Lots to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. When we come back, we'll hear from Dave. Uh, excuse me, I was going to call him Air McNair, <laughs> but uh, he's not a quarterback. Doug McNair. Uh, much That'd finer than the quarterback, if you ask me. Much finer than old Steve McNair. Doug McNair is on this program when we come back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland Cruz, and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit. Up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. All right, we're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Right now, we're joined by the uh, fine, youthful driver, is our good friend Marv Backrat at Dover Downs called him, Doug McNair. Doug, how are you, sir? Thank you for joining the program. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, Easy Lover Hanover was uh, victorious in the $315,000 Ham Pants and Progress Pace, going 149. And, uh, Doug, this uh, obviously was a big win for you, but. Obviously a big win for uh, Brad Grant and Ben Wallace, uh, who uh, lost uh, some horses in the barn fire, the tragic barn fire in Canada last year. This had to be big for you to win it for them, huh? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, it's the worst, the worst uh, thing that can happen to anybody in horse racing is a, a barn fire. And that's what happened to Ben last year, and he, he lost everything. And he just start from scratch. You know, uh, Brad was uh, definitely a huge help for him getting back on the map, and he ended up getting a horse like that and uh the end of the year very good for them you know doug this horse uh was uh, doing very good things in canada in the upper condition level ranks i uh, had a good win streak going before coming to uh dover downs raced in the uh the eliminations finished second was supplemented into this race for twenty five thousand dollars doug what were your thoughts on uh coming into this race when they asked you to come over and drive well he's been he's been real sharp you know the, the last uh well, probably his, his last eight, eight, nine starts, and uh, well, he's been, re- he's been racing against like tough age horses up in Woodbine. You know that's not easy to do, and and he was handling them pretty easy. So uh, when Be- or, uh, Ben mentioned that he was he was 
he was taking him down there and putting him in the go. Uh, I was happy to go down. I thought he had a huge shot at getting a good piece of it, and, and I, I even I did think that he he did have a shot at winning it even before uh, they took him down there. But obviously we had to had to draw right, and, and it and it ended up it worked out in our favor. Yeah, it certainly did. Uh, had to set the pace in the elimination. Lost the heartbreaker there, but in the finals, when the chips were down, you were able to work out a pocket trip behind check six. Uh, as the race was unfolding, you certainly had to be enjoying that pocket journey. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I was, uh, I was half licking my lips, you know, just past the half. And Dave from first up, they were, they were smoking along pretty good the third quarter, and I was, I was right in the, the best spot I could have possibly been at that point in the mile. So. Uh, but in the last turn, you know, he had to kind of step on the gas, and and uh, he he kind of got away on us by length or two. I I uh, I, I think uh, I think he kind of came back to us a little bit, and as soon as he came back to us ahead of the stretch, that kind of braved our horse up a little bit. As soon as he gets, he's he's a brave little horse. Once he uh, sees something like that happen, you know, he he, he capitalizes on it, and uh, he, he's a he uh, fought 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 tough to win. That's for sure. Good model. Doug, any idea what's uh, next for uh, Easy Lover Hanover? I think they're. Uh, I think that was his last start of the year. They're going to shut him down for a couple months, and then I think they'll bring him back next year, hopefully, and and aim him. There's a lot of or a couple four-year-old races up in Canada, the Confederation Cup and the Prix de Tay. I think he's eligible to see those races. So uh, it looks like he's got a pretty good, pretty good uh, stake schedule next summer too. Doug, let's talk about yourself for a minute now. Uh, obviously, you're a young guy who's accomplished a lot in your young career. Uh, youngest driver to ever uh, get to 1,000 wins. That was back in 2010. And at the age of 18, you're the youngest driver ever to win a million dollars. When you were, and we know you're in a racing family, obviously your father, Greg, you, you've been, he's been there with you uh, pretty much every step of the way. But have you, did you ever envision uh, going through the ranks uh, in your young age that you'd ever have so much success as a driver at a young age? Um, no, I definitely didn't see it uh, snowballing as fast as it, as it has, and, and uh, I'm, ha- I'm obviously happy it has. But uh, you know, it's, you just you just try to go to, to uh, the races every night and, and uh, do your best, and and uh, things good things will come if you're doing things right. And that's kind of the way things have been going. You know, I've been getting a lot of good horses to drive for uh, great trainers and owners. So like that definitely is uh, one of the main main parts. You know, you got to capitalize on your uh, chances too so you don't get too many chances in this game and, and uh, when, you, when you get them you gotta you gotta make them uh, worth it and in your short career Doug you've driven a lot of great horses uh, is there one that means a lot to you or one maybe like a favorite harness racing moment so far that you've had so far in your own career uh, one that definitely sticks out is it, it has since uh, my first year driving uh, he's, he's a homebred my my grandma, she, she, uh, my dad, and my grandma raised, or bred him and raised him, and he ended up winning a three hundred thousand dollar race at the Battle of Waterloo when I was eighteen. You know, and, and uh, like that's a race when when you're in, from Canada, and that's kind of a, it's, it's the biggest two year old race in Canada. And, and uh, I remember being a kid going to the tracks all the time, just just for that race. You know, and then to win it my first year in it. And get a horse like I like I didn't didn't drive in the test obviously you know I just got away third and come first up and he that's how much the best he was that day and he, and he won and after that that kind of jumps boosted my career like uh, I started getting a bunch of drives in the smaller tracks after that that win and and it, he, he definitely 
he definitely helped me out a lot that horse, that's for sure. It was trail boss. Wow. And right now, Doug, you've got over 2,500 wins, over $38 million in career earnings, UDRS of 293. That's the present. Doug, let's look to the future a little bit. What, you, what What's ahead for Doug McNair? What are you looking to accomplish? What is something that before your driving career is over you would most like to uh, most like to have under your belt? Um, my, my main goal is uh, to get $100 million in career earnings, you know. That, that'd be a big that'd be a big goal of mine, and and um, I think it's possible, you know. Uh, especially if you get the race at Woodbine and Mohawk, hopefully it keeps going like it is, you know. You can have you can have some big years up here and make uh, five six million dollars a year. So, you know, like you said, thirty eight million now, you know, uh, at a young young age. Hopefully, I can keep going until I'm in my forties and maybe just have to drive uh, just race horses when I'm in my fifties just for fun, you know. It's, it's not that I have to, but uh, that's, that's, that's a long ways away from now, but that's, that's kind of my main goal. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. The sensational Sweet Lou is standing stud at Diamond Creek Farms for a stud fee of only $7,500. As a two-year-old, Sweet Lou's sent and still holds the world record for two-year-old paces on a mile track that sensational mark of 149. Sweet Lou currently holds the world record for aged and all-age paces on a 5-8 mile track at 147. The Great White Blaze earned his nickname in the summer of 2014 when he won 10 consecutive races with 6 consecutive wins in sub-148. He is the only pacer in harness racing history to achieve this feat. One of Sweet Lou's most thrilling victories includes a second over in the William Houghton Memorial in 147-1 in July of 2014. The first two books sold quickly for Sweet Lou is in his third year. Don't get shut out. Visit Diamond Creek Farm. The Dan Patch and O'Brien two-year-old Colt Trotter of the Year, Southwind Frank, is standing at Diamond Creek Farm for the low stud fee of only $10,000. Southwind Frank won the 2015 Breeders' Crown for two-year-old Colt Trotters. Also, many memorable wins on Southwind Frank's resume, including the Old Deal, Peter Houghton Memorial, William Wellwood Memorial, and the Colonial Trod. Southwind Frank set stakes records during his wins in the International Sire Stakes and New Jersey Sire Stakes. And Southwind Frank finished in the top three in 24 out of 26 races during his career. For more information, visit DiamondCreekFarm.com. Standing at Hickory Lane Farm in Ohio in 2017 will be all bets off. The $2 million plus winning son of Better's Delight finished a hard closing third to always be Mickey at 146-2, pacing the fourth fastest mile in harness racing history in Mickey's world record performance. 
don't get shut out. It is anticipated, based upon the early demand, that the syndication will sell out by December 1st. For more information, visit hickorylanefarm.com. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a disqualification. It doesn't get much worse than picking a winner that ends up being disqualified after the race. What if you could eliminate the stress of sweating out a steward's inquiry? At Bet America, we're here to help. Introducing Inquiry Relief. Any winners of a graded stakes race will get paid out even if they are disqualified after a steward's inquiry. Check BetAmerica.com for details and side effects. Get the relief you deserve with Inquiry Relief only at BetAmerica.com. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. So much to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. A little bit later on, we're going to hear from all eight nominees for the 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike Race Fan of the Year. We had a chance to sit down, ask each of them a couple of questions at different times, not all at one time. Didn't have them all locked up in a room together or anything, but uh, you'll be able to hear those interviews coming up uh, a little bit later on. Plus, at 7.30, a very special Around the Horn edition. We're going to take a look at the Inter-Dominion from Australia. Jessica and part of the Post Time with Mike and Mike Breeders' Crown broadcast team will be joining us. Mike Carter, you're back with us, my friend. Yeah, I'm finally back, and uh, we're ready to go. Thanks for stalling with a couple commercials there. Hey, no problem. I am the stall master. But speaking of stall master, let's bring in our good friend, the uh, fine track announcer of uh, Pompano. Uh, Ra- Actually, he's also the director of racing at uh, Pompano Racetrack, the winter capital of harness racing, Gabe Pruitt. Gabe, how are you, buddy? Well, as long as uh, we sit on zero sometimes, a lot of people would say I'm the ultimate uh, stall master as far as that goes. But uh, <laughs> we uh, we haven't gotten much flack for that lately. Hey, guys, before we back up here, Doug McNair, he had a tough time naming the best horse he'd ever driven. Uh, I can quite confidently say I owned the worst horse he'd ever driven. It was at the Red Mile this year. I actually apologized to him before he drove her. Uh filly we had that had just gone really south. We were just trying to get her back going the right direction, and she stopped about the 3 eighths pole, and uh, he's lucky he didn't get ran over. But uh, thanks for the drive anyway, Doug. <laughs> well, listen – you know, if your horses are as good as your handicapping skills, then maybe that explains it. Well, that she didn't have much to live up to, so there you go. Wow. All right, Gabe. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Florida Super Finals. There's really not a whole lot to talk about. It was a very chalky sequence, but Gabe, listen, my pick six ticket. I, I you know, I, I was telling everybody at Northfield about this pick six wager that you guys had with this big, you know, decent sized carryover, and ticket I gave everybody a $4 ticket. Okay. A $4 ticket. And I think everybody cashed for 50 bucks except for me who didn't play it. So, you know, 
That's just you, how it goes. You can't, be, you can't be tabbing without playing. That's like the golden rule. You know, if you're going to tout, you have to be at action. So, uh, but uh, well done. That was a, it was a very formidable sequence. And uh, like you said, there was a, a decent little carryover into it. We got uh, some action in that pool that night and um, really uh, paid much better than the uh, parlay. So, yeah, it was a, uh, for a lot of favorites, we actually had five one to nine favorites, uh, two favorites, five cents on the dollar, in fact. You know, I've seen a lot of cards. I'm not sure I've ever seen five legitimate one-to-nines on a single racing program. Not to brag, but I did pick all five of those as well. Last week, had all five of them. So, listen, five winners in one night. If you ask uh, Brian Mazurik, our friend from Buffalo Raceway, that's all that matters is that you got five five winners. Let's talk real quick uh, about Prairie Sweetheart. Prairie Sweetheart looked absolutely dominant, Gabe, and – uh, where is she going now? Uh, is she ready to take the rest of the season off, or is she uh, is she going to stay in South Florida? You know, that's a great question, uh, one I've uh, posed to uh, several people. Uh, no one has given me uh, a, a solid uh, answer at this point. However, I was uh, reading a great article by uh, Kim French uh, on the USDA homepage uh, that's actually up currently, and uh, she caught up with Trader Mike Dieters. It sounds like those ca- the um, ownership uh, Let It Ride Stables, Eric Cherry's group, and uh, the new trader Ross Krogan. I believe they're going to just allow uh, Mike to turn around maybe for another month or so. Uh, and it sounds like she may be getting geared up uh, for a spring campaign. So I assume that's going to be the last time we see her, at least in a few months. Now, Gabe, let's talk real quick about your jackpot super high five or the lack thereof, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> uh, it was hit Sunday for 19500 right? Wednesday and hit for ten thousand five hundred. Listen, man, you guys are sending some people to Disney World. You know what? We've had some large payouts all the past of late. A uh, couple of pool shots in the pick five this week. A couple of banks that have just done a couple of tickets out. Fifty cent pick four has been astronomical. The Penafetta. I mean, every wager. Uh, you know, other than that Florida Fred program, we have gotten just uh, extremely competitive racing uh, at this point. You said it, Mike. We always track the tickets. We like to see what the ticket structure was uh, after each and every time the jackpot high five is hit. And um, I will say at this point, there's no exact science. I mean, it must have been heard over the last few seasons 20, 25 times. A lot of times we'll see someone has spent what we would consider maybe a fortune, uh, spreading completely out, boxing horses, wielding it, which, of course, if I was ever going to hit one would be what I would have to do. And then a lot of times uh, you'll see just someone get completely lucky and spend little to nothing. We actually had a ticket last year, paid 30000 and change. Somebody played a 20-cent quick pick up at Indiana. So uh, it's always very interesting to track. You said it, that it was hit twice this week. On Sunday night, 19500 and change uh, for the 20-cent ticket. That was, in fact, a ticket where uh, a TBG player, in fact, had spread out. Uh, used a lot of different combinations, got very lucky, it became a bit tricky, so just one ticket out on Sunday night. So you fast forward to a Monday night, that was no carryover, we start fresh. Uh, in fact, there were only a couple of tickets out, though. They nearly uh, got the entire pool on Monday night, but uh, we did, in fact, have a small carryover. You go to Tuesday night, no one hit it at all. So by rule, when there are no winning tickets, the entire amount carries over. Uh, there's no consolation, so actually after only a couple of nights, we had that uh, carryover back in for uh, last night, Wednesday, uh, back up to over just over $5,000. And last night, one of our on-track players spent $4.80, and um, boom, turned it into uh, 10500 and change. 
Not bad at all. Gabe, real quick, um, talk about your open coming up on Sunday before we let you go. Listen, Duke de Orleans is a horse that is no slouch at all, and I'm sure it's nice to see that horse in South Florida. Yeah, he is a very nice horse. He's a handy horse. I believe uh, Mike is a mark, actually, 48 and change uh, from the uh, WEG circuit, so he is uh, proven that he can go with uh, all caliber of horses uh, over the last uh, couple of seasons. The main reason I will say he is the heavy favorite is uh, Pinocchio is a, a no-show this week. Pinocchio was victorious once again in the Open. He's just been unbeatable. He's a track record holder. I won here last season in 48 and 3. And uh, again, he won here this past Sunday night. So he's sitting out there. Yes, that does play directly to the hands of Duke Orleon. And uh, I see that he's probably going to be a heavy favorite on Sunday night. Sing for me, George, has been a horse that's been uh, knocking on the door bit. Uh, you know, he's obviously a horse to consider as well. But uh, again, things do open up a bit in there uh, with uh, Pinocchio out this week. All right. Well, it looks like uh, Mike, Mike Bozich missed my cue, but that's okay. Gabe, we certainly appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, listen, we uh, we enjoy talking about Pompadour every week. And listen, hopefully uh, my super high five ticket will uh, will hit next week. Yeah, you go for it. Like I said, we had a uh, 20-cent quick pick. Took down 30000 You just never know. That's the thing. Uh, there's no – believe me, I've looked at uh, 2025 of these tickets now, and when they are hit with that one unique winning ticket, absolutely no rhyme or reason. So get in and uh, take a shot. All right, Gabe, we appreciate you taking time out to join us tonight. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. All right. Well, that was Gabe Pruitt, the director of racing operations and the track announcer at Pompano Park, talking uh, throughout our segment with Pompano. Uh, we're thankful to have them on each and every week. Well, Mike Bozich, coming up next is the 2016 Inter-Dominion. We're going to talk a little bit of Aussie racing as we go down under uh, – to talk about these races and we're going to talk about a little bit about Hector JJ. Um, Lenny, the shark was good. Uh, you know, Lenny, the shark was upset this week. So uh, it, it's definitely interesting, but we'll get that as soon as I can talk not tonight, Mike, I, I don't know what is going on. <laughs> what is going on? Are you, are no, you even there? I, I'm, I'm ta- I think I'm talking to myself. No, so, I'm, you know, I'm bail me out here. I'm sitting here. Listen, I'm sitting here with my feet propped up, just listening to you, my friend. It was another good interview <laughs> with Gabe Pruitt, and uh, <laughs> hey, we, we're talking some Aussie racing coming up. So I'm getting my notes together, and and like I told you, I just got through taking another couple of aspirin, trying to read that Australian program. So we're trying to get this headache to go away. <laughs> well, I appreciate you bailing me out there while I got my uh, while I got my uh, tied. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, it's Inter-Dominion time on Post Time with Mike and Mike. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Get a huge boost to your bankroll for all of summer's best racing at Bet America. All new players can double their first deposit up to $300 with Bet America's 100% deposit bonus. That's the biggest sign up bonus in the industry. Sign up today and start playing the Bet America way.
We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, still a lot left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. And once again, Mike Carter, uh, another reminder, if you haven't voted yet, time is certainly running short. Do so on our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Six great categories, all deserving winners. And uh, I'll tell you what, probably about 10 or 15 minutes ago, we're going to hear from uh, some of those uh, deserving nominees for the 2016 Race Fan of the Year. As a matter of fact, we're near from all of the nominees for the 2016 Race Fan of the Year. Well, speaking of a race fan and somebody that certainly does a lot for the sport of harness racing, not only in her uh, home state of Michigan, but uh, throughout the United States of America, we're joined now by Jessica Otten. <laughs> Hi, Jessica. Hey, guys. Hey. Now, first of all, before we get into this, we're going to take a look at uh, some of the Australian action going on. It is the Inter-Dominion. Some great horses doing battle down there, wrapping up heats this week, the fi- uh, Friday, tomorrow. The final is going to be next Friday at the Gloucester Park. But before that, Jessica, uh, one of the friends of this program here at Post Time with Mike and Mike, one of the sponsors, Anthony McDonald, is making a, a very special trip to your neck of the woods. Yeah, um, on Monday, he's going to go to MSU, which is um, their big vet school also. Um, he's going to go and talk about how to become a part of the stable.ca. And um, I've just been helping Crystal um, promote it a little bit on social media. So I'm excited to see how many people will actually show up and excited to see what, or excited to hear what uh, Anthony has to say. So hopefully we have a good turnout. Yeah, it's, I'll tell you what, fractional ownership, in my opinion, is one of the big ways I think that this sport can certainly revive itself. And, and Jessica, we know certainly uh, the troubles uh, that have happened in the state of Michigan concerning harness racing, gosh, now over the past 10 years since Proposal 1 uh, stopped casino gaming dead in its tracks back in 2004. But fractional ownership, in my opinion, is uh, one of the secrets, I think, one of the ways, and Anthony McDonald does it right. Visit them at uh, the stable.ca. You'll be at Michigan State. What day was that? The 5th, right? Yep, Monday. Monday the 5th. Monday, okay. Okay, so he'll yep. be uh, speaking about that. But uh, anyway, uh, let's get into some inter-dominion, uh, if we will. And Mike Carter's got something queued up over there. Uh, one of the uh, big contenders to tank it all, if not the lukewarm favorite right now. Point leader Hector J.J. will certainly prove prominent in the finals. And uh, Mike, what do you got for us? JJ now straightening up 27 1 the third quarter. He's clear from Art Jericho, who's running into second place. And then Ultimate uh, Boating Boris trying to get out. And then Vettor's fire, but it is all Hector JJ. Well clear from Art Jericho, holding down second from Ultimate Art. But a very easy win to Hector JJ. Remains unbeaten in the series and won easily over Art Jericho. You know, Hector JJ, Mike, uh, we're going to talk a, a lot about a lot of horses in this Inter-Dominion, but I, I think we can all agree Hector JJ is probably one of the best horses uh, racing overseas right now, kind of almost like the uh, Always Be Mickey of uh, America. Yeah, certainly is, Mike. As a matter of fact, if you look at the uh, 2016 Perth Inter-Dominion Progressive Points Table, and they accumulate points uh, based on their heat finishes, and Hector J.J. right now is the point leader with 28. Runover has 25. Lenny the Shark is uh, currently third at 21. We'll be talking about him plenty in just a moment as well. Betters Fire, 20. Bling It On, 20. Joan of, uh, John of Arc, 20. 
uh, small to 20, and uh, it goes on and on from there as uh, they go to 18 and uh, below. But uh, certainly a very competitive series. And, uh, Mike, you mentioned uh, Hector J.J., and one of the interesting things about the series so far in the heats is that as the heats move along, the distances grow and they've got three heats coming up on Friday, which is tomorrow. And they're going 2,536 meters. Now, if you translate that to miles here for our American listenership, it's 1.5 miles. And the final, which is next Friday at Glusta park actually goes 1.8 miles. So, I mean, Distance certainly comes into play, and the added distance as you get more towards the finals certainly comes into play. And I was, I guess, a question mark for Hector J.J. stretching out from that 21 to 25. But I'll tell you what, Mike, the connections, if you read some of the articles there, certainly don't seem uh, concerned about that at all. No, not at all. And he's just absolutely looked dominant over the last couple of heats. Jessica, we're going to bring you in now. She's taken a look at at least the first three heats when I remember to send them. And uh, <laughs> but Jessica, talk to us a little bit about what you saw over these three couple of three heats. You know, our Jimmy Johnson didn't really show a whole lot. Run over. Uh, run one over uh, provided a little bit of an upset. So too did bling it on last week over the Lenny the Shark. Um, well, first of all, I think their starting car is pretty cool. Um, I like to ride it. <laughs> and second of all, it was really hard to follow for me, at least. I don't know. It was just kind of weird because they don't all take a seat. No one offers a seat. They're all parked the whole mile. But um, Bling It On was probably the most interesting race just because it was, like, the only one who didn't win on the front. Um, it was second over. It was locked. He was locked in the last turn, um, was able to find room on the stretch, and then pull away to win but I like that heat the best out of all of them because the other ones they kind of just won easy on the front they just fought off all their contenders so I like to bring it on to race the best Now, Mike, it's interesting that, you know, that these heats, um, they've drawn them already. And Lenny the Shark, or not Lenny the Shark, I'm sorry, Hector J.J. drew post number five in heat number seven. It, it's interesting because he ha- is not facing any of the – he's got the easier of the heats, if you ask me. Um, Lenny the Shark's got to face Better's Fire, who drew just outside. And like Jessica was saying, Mike, you know, they don't give each other a hole. They don't do any of that. <laughs> they just got to race however they need to. And then, of course, he. Number nine features Bling It On, who uh, was an upset winner. These races are going to kind of uh, play out a little bit interesting, if you ask me. I think Hector J.J.'s got the the easiest of the heats, if you ask me. Well, certainly, but let's uh, let's if we're going to talk into Dominion, I think we have to get the the uh, terminology down. The post positions are referred to in Australia as barriers. Okay, so barrier one, barrier two, and I'll try to get that into a race call tomorrow with Harris Philadelphia at some point in time. But, uh, um, you know, getting back to uh, Hector J.J., I think the biggest uh, threat for him in that race is uh, John of Arc. Now, John of Arc draws uh, the one barrier, and I've done a little bit of research on this horse, lightly raced, injury-plagued, but uh, is certainly the last couple of races starting to come around. A real good closing second last time out, despite some traffic issues. And uh, I think this could certainly be a horse from the inside that may be peaking. And that's what you kind of want to look for. You want to look for horses that are peaking when you come towards this uh, 1.8 miles, 2,936 meter final, which will be taking place next Friday. But I do think John of Arc is certainly the uh, biggest uh, threat Hector J.J., who, like we said, is probably the lukewarm favorite to take the whole thing, Mike. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Let's talk a little bit about upset horses um, that we may like. I know, Mike, you were talking about a couple of horses that you liked in the Inner Dominion tomorrow uh, that may provide a little bit of value. Yeah, one of the horses uh, that I liked, uh, and I'm trying to look for what uh, heat he's in because, like I say, reading these things is uh, – it's just not normal. You know, I mean, if you're if you're used to looking at the in 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 you know, Jessica, you can agree with me. I think it's just it's a little bit different because we get so uh, we just get a little bit of spoiled uh, with the American uh, terms, and we're just used to it. But Better's Fire is a horse that I think has a pretty good chance here, and this is race six, and he is in the uh, Inter Dominion qualifying heat with uh, Lenny the Shark, who draws the inside now. Let's take a look at uh, Lenny the Shark for a minute uh, because he is certainly one of the big contenders. And uh, he is—he uh, finished fourth place in his last start. Now, this is the first time for Lenny the Shark, and we're talking a little bit about this off the air. First time in 630-some days, guys. I think it was 637. I can't read my writing. 637 days since this horse has last finished off the board. Now, here's the question. And, you know, is the question, uh, is it just a bad effort? And is Lenny the Shark going to uh, rebound or? I mean, after uh, all that time, is he just starting to get a little bit tired and, uh, you know, uh, start to, I don't want to say off form because, you know, he's a great horse, but I mean, is he vulnerable? I guess is my question. And Better's Fire is a horse that starts from post two. And in Australia, if you look, the post one barrier or the post one post position, unlike uh, what American racing is starting to turn into, especially on the five eights uh, of a mile track where the posts four and five are proving prominent now. Uh, the one post is still king over there. And uh, Better's Fire from post two may be able to work out a good uh, a good pace for driver uh, Kyle Harper. And I think this could be a long shot, guys. I like the way this horse raced uh, the last couple of heats. And I think he uh, certainly could be sitting on a big effort and uh, could be an upsetter here. Jessica, any horses you're sitting on? Uh, I like Lenny the Shark, but um, I don't have the odds of the program in front of me, so I really couldn't tell you. Oh, I just I like Lenny the Shark. He was really I don't know if it was one of the heats or if it was just one of his races, but uh, he's a grinder, and I really liked the way he raced. Um, sitting parked the whole race, I guess. Uh, I really think he's a good contender here, and he draws. I think inside of um, yeah, of Better's on fire. Yeah, Lenny the so Shark's we'll right at right at barrier one. Oh, barrier, barrier. He starts in barrier, barrier one, and Better's fire starts from barrier two. So is Lenny going to park him, or is he going to let him go and follow him? I don't know. The racing is way different. <laughs> so You know, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned Lenny the Shark. Uh, or, uh, God, I almost called you Gabe. Uh, Mike Bozich. <laughs> you know, she's, she's pulling a Gabe Pruitt from last week. You, you realize that? Absolutely. He's pulling a Gabe Pruitt from last week. Guys, I'm going with Bling It On. I think Bling It On put in an absolutely fantastic mile, uh, mile, and, a, mile and a quarter uh, last time out. and Really, really looked sharp. Seemed to be improving off the first heat. So I think Bling It On is, the, is one of the contenders to beat this week. Yeah, certainly is. Well, tomorrow is when these heats will take place. There's three heats left. And then, of course, the big final is coming up on Friday. The heats tomorrow go 1.5 miles or uh, 2,536 meters. The Inter-Dominion final, which, uh, Mike, I know we're going to uh, uh, wake up early and try to catch, is uh, going 2,936 
meters, not 2,936 miles, but meters at mm-hmm. uh, 1.8 miles. Now, Mike, uh, listen, this thing gave me a headache enough trying to look at this. And I, you know, getting into international racing, you just have to kind of put your brain in another gear. But uh, as far as the time change goes, for anybody that wants to watch uh, the heats or the final coming up on Friday, the uh, next Friday, what kind of time are we looking at here uh, in the States? Probably about 6 a.m. About 6 a.m. I know that's okay. early. For, I know that's early for a lot of you guys. Listen, there's no shot. You're waking Jessica up about the 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, you hear what she says. She'll watch, she'll watch the replay. We're all going to watch Chris. I have to go Chris, to London uh, tomorrow night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to watch Chris Van Hattern's uh, Chris Van Hattern's replay. Listen, Chris Van Hattern provides all the replays uh, to Post Time with Mike and Mike. We're thankful for uh, for Chris. But uh, listen, Jessica, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your night. We will be back next week as our Post Time with Mike and Mike award show, and we'll have you back on. We'll talk more inter-Dominion as we go down under next Thursday night. I'll be more prepared, I promise, but thanks for having me. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jessica. All right, that was Jessica Otten and uh, Inter-Dominion action, overseas action, starting the heat up. And, Mike, this is something that we kind of look forward to. We dabbled uh, a little bit into it last year, but now that the stink series uh, and the stink season is starting to wind down here in the United States, you know, a lot of these great overseas races that are starting to pick up. I know we're going to have to touch with Brandon Valvo from Harness Racing America. He's uh, He follows this uh, religiously. He was talking about some of the great horses that are getting ready to get back going. Bald Eagle, who was already getting back going uh tomoku uh just to name a few some of the great horses overseas that we will keep an eye on here on this uh on these uh upcoming weeks at post time with mike and mike so hey you want to keep it uh, tuned in here because uh as the action is kind of slowing down here in the states it's just heating up over the states yeah, definitely. We've got the pre Marie coming up in January from Vincennes Race Course, and we've got the entire stake schedule from Vincennes, so we're going to be covering a lot of French racing. Uh, we've got the Elite Lap from Solvala coming up in May, the Elite Lap Playoff coming up at the Meadowlands, so a lot of great international racing coming up this winter and spring. Well, Mike, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we had, or you had a chance to sit down with our Race Fans of the Year nominees, and uh, I can't wait to hear this. We'll be back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland-Cruz, and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca.
sitting here with Race Fan of the Year nominee and finalist Chris Van Hattern. Uh, Chris is all the way out of the Netherlands. Chris, welcome to the show, sir. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I'm um, I'm honored to be on the show. I can't believe it, actually. <laughs> well, Chris, uh, listen, you do uh, certainly a lot of for the sport of harness racing. You were nominated. Uh, to be one of the uh, or the 2016 race fan of the year, what does the sport of harness racing uh, mean to you? Can you sum it up in a in a few words? Uh, it's a big part of my life, or yeah, yeah, probably my whole life. Um, it was my mom and my granddad who got me in it. So I was a really young guy when I first went to the track. I can't even remember when that was. But um, it's been there my whole life, and you just you grow into it, and the older you get, um, the more interesting it gets, and it, 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 I just can't, can't get rid of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a big part of my life. Yeah, Chris, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, a little bit more about uh, how you got involved in the sport of harness racing as a youngster. Uh, well, I'm, I'm 46 years old, and I live in Holland, and uh, for most of the times, so um, for, for the biggest part of my life, I've been in Holland, lived in America for three years, in Miami, um, but yeah, as a kid, I was only interested, strictly interested in, um, in, the, in Dutch racing, and I got to know some people there, and... And it, and it then it becomes interesting, you know. You get to meet the horses, and and then I, at an older age, I started to uh, get interested in in American races, and the computer and the internet opened opened the whole world for me, actually. And um, I, I got hooked with American races. I mean, all the big sires are coming from from America, and Finally, I had the chance to see them uh, race, or the the, the future uh, prospect uh, sires, and I got hooked with uh, especially American racing uh, nowadays. To be honest, Chris, give us uh, and I know there's many. We talked a little bit off the air about how many different uh, harness racing moments, uh, favorite harness racing moments that we both have. But if you had to uh, pinpoint it down to one, what would be your favorite your favorite harness racing moment? That is a super hard question because I've seen so many great races uh, on the computer and in real life. But, uh, let's just narrow it down to a recent one, and that was last year's Little Brown Jug was amazing the the whole crowd and what happened with uh a wiggle it in the in the first uh, turn and, and people saw that and there was a ooh and a ah in the crowd and and then that 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 last uh turn was amazing he looked beat and he just came back and nailed it at the wire and that was unbelievable i was stunned yeah, I think you and the whole racing world, that was an unbelievable race. And, 
And I'll tell you, a part of uh, the Roger Houston's race call is on our open each and every show, and it, it never gets old. Well, Chris, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the program. do want to ask you one final question, though, and, and one of the reasons that I think you're known throughout the harness racing world is uh, the videos that you put on YouTube of a lot of different races. Uh, can you tell us uh, how you got started doing that or what gave you the inspiration to do that, and how many different races do you think you have on catalog right now? Oh, I think I got 2,000 at the moment already. Yeah, it was about time. I mean, how can you sell a product without showing the product? And they had to be available for everybody, especially the big races, at least the stakes races. I can't put them all up. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it would take a day job. But um, it was about time. And, and there's one thing in life. I mean, when you want something and nobody else is doing it, you got to do it yourself. So, and I'm really glad that people like it. I think that's the main reason. Um, I'm so honored to be in this competition, and I can't believe it. I was shocked, and I want to thank uh, the people who uh, made me eligible. It's amazing, and it has to do with with my videos for sure, because I'm just a fan, and there are hundreds, maybe thousands of guys like me. I just the guy who puts up the videos, and that's fine. <laughs> well, Chris, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, best of luck to you in the voting. We'll find out next week on December 8th. Uh, but I'll tell you, regardless of the results, we certainly you certainly deserve a lot of props for what you do. And uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, best of luck next uh, week, my friend. Thank you so much, man. It's really exciting. And you guys are doing an excellent job with the show. I'm a, I'm a regular listener. Here with 2016 Race Fan of the Year nominee, Lou Sorella. Lou, we certainly appreciate you joining us, sir. Thank you for having me, Mike. Well, first of all, Lou, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the sport of harness racing. Mike, actually, funny stories. I got started in the thoroughbreds with thoroughbreds, and uh, I switched over to harness racing and standard bread because racing once every three weeks or four weeks uh, wasn't my forte. I mean, I love the action. Standard breads were going uh, basically uh, once a week. You could fit three races in there, and uh, I'm all about action. I, the, the, the thrill of racing, and I wanted to race almost every day. I switched over to... Uh, Standard bread racing back in uh, 2003. My first horse uh, was a Ludi Tutsi, come out of uh, PEI. And I get my first win. I think it was your second start with Phil Hudon at Flamborough Downs. And uh, it, it just took off from there. Yeah, I'll tell you, you never forget your first horse. Lou, what does the sport of harness racing mean to you as a fan and as uh, more of a direct participant? Um, I. Mike, it's the, it, I think it's the greatest uh, game out there. Uh, stand, uh, thoroughbred racing, uh, it, didn't fill the, the, uh, it didn't fill what I was looking for. Standard bread racing, I mean, it's great. The people, the atmosphere, uh, to get out there, enjoy it. it, it it's, I, I call it the best game out there, the best game in town. They, they say it's uh, not a game for little boys in short pants, but uh, I disagree. Uh, the excitement is there. It's the best I'll say the best two minutes, best 146, if you've got someone like uh, Always Be Mickey. But uh, it, 
it's it's great. I mean, it's you gotta you gotta get involved to uh, experience it, and once you do, it, the, the sport grabs you. The sport takes you in. And I think that's one of the things that uh, makes it a lot easier for racing fans because as opposed to other sports, harness racing really isn't too tough to get involved in. I mean, you could drive your own horses. You can sit behind your own horses. Uh, you know, you could see your horses every day as a part of an owner. It, it's a really good experience and more so of a direct experience than even thoroughbred racing, if you ask me. Um, we talked about this off the air. And, well, Lou, go ahead and comment on that. You know, Mike, I, I've got to add to that. You know what? It, it is. It's easy to get involved with. If you see now, we've got uh, syndicate groups like uh, the Stable.ca run by Anthony McDonald. Fantastic group. Anthony's a great guy. I mean, he's uh, well-spoken. He, uh, he basically grabbed the bulls by the horn and made the, uh, made the sport affordable for people out there. I mean, you can get involved in, in the sport of uh, harness racing with a mere 1% ownership in a horse. Let me tell you, 1% doesn't seem like a lot. But when you're out there and you're watching your horse race and you happen to get to the winner's circle, it is the best feeling in the world. That 1%, that 1% multiplies tenfold over because if you are an owner of 1%, you're going to grab a friend or two and say, hey, come down to the racetrack tonight. My horse is racing or whatever. And that's what we need. We need more of that for the sport. We need that. I mean, we're looking for the new blood. The sport is looking for the new blood. And a mere 1% or 2% involvement in a horse will draw fans and will draw brand new owners to, to the sport. Anthony's done a great job. He's certainly a friend and a sponsor of the show. We talked a little bit about this off the air, Lou, and uh, this seems to be a tough question for a lot of people to answer because there's so many great harness racing moments. But what, sir, is your favorite harness racing moment? You know, I, I've got to go a few years back. I was standing there up against the railing at Mohawk Racetrack holding a pick four ticket that all I needed was Sports Writer to win the NA Cup. And that was the year Sports Writer won the North America's Cup. It was great. We stood there. We were friends uh, of Casey Coleman. She walked by. She gave us the, the North America's Cup trophy. As a group, we got the ho hoisted up in the air. Best feeling. I'll never forget that. All right, Lou Sorella, one of the nominees for the 2016 Race Fan of the Year. Lou, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, good luck next uh, Thursday. Thank you very much, Mike, and uh, hopefully I will, uh, hopefully the, the nomination uh, uh, works out for me, and uh, if not, uh, I'm sure Kanye West will be happy to uh, accept that award. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. Thank you. Right now, we're joined by one of the nominees for the 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike, Harness Racing Fan of the Year, Russ Adams. Russ, how are you, sir? Hey, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Doing fantastic. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in racing. Well, well, I'm Russ Adams, and uh, I, I started uh, to uh, go to the track when I was a little kid. My grandfather was... Uh, that dragged me to the track at uh, Pimlico and Laurel, and uh, spent th spent a few years there until he passed away in, in 1998. And uh, I I got out of it for about seven eight years, didn't even watch ra any racing at all. And about right after high school was over, I started going to the OTB facility for a few years, and eh, I was just trying to get back into it. And 
about five years ago, I took a little trip to Freehold and watched the races. I just said, you know what? Arms racing is the best uh, thing you can I've ever seen in my life, and I'm just grateful to uh, to find this wonderful sport. Yeah, Russ, what does uh, the sport of harness racing mean to you on a on a personal level? It means it means everything. It, it means everything to me, and uh, and quite honestly, if, if there wasn't if there wasn't harness racing, I don't really know what I would do with myself. I I'd probably be sitting in an office somewhere, or you know, or just doing something else. But like when I wake up, I I watch a lot of replays. I watch a lot of I do a lot of handicapping. I do a lot of uh, studying and try to try to get to know the horses better, get to know get to know what the driver's tendencies are, the, uh, what the trainer does, and so on and so forth. And, Russ, you made uh, a pretty nice Facebook page for Harness Racing. You want to tell our listeners about that? Yes, yes. Uh, I, but last uh, last August, I, uh, August of 2015, I decided to make a page called the Real Harness Handicapping Group because uh, I wanted to uh, do something positive for the sport and try to get people to posit- positively promote the uh, the sport by talking about the races, maybe meet maybe meet some new people on there that like the same thing as I do, and they can talk about the races and give a handicapping tip or they want to give selections, put their tickets out there, want to have a little discussion about all kinds of uh, different uh, harness racing topics and such. And yeah. Russ, let's pin you down. I know uh, you know you've you probably got uh, quite a few because you've been watching this sport for quite a long time. But what would you say your favorite harness racing moment is? Well, <laughs> well, besides the uh, well, I my favorite handicapping moment this year of of all years was winning the Millennial Tournament up in Meadowlands in the, the beginning of June, winning the twenty five hundred dollar uh, top prize, for winning by like four dollars and like sixty cents. <laughs> that was. That was pretty good, and uh, and then the famous harness racing moment. I would have to say picking picking Sylvian Philly on and with the evening of pleasure at thirty five to one in the on the Western Fair of selections in the program and stuff, and and uh, that was pretty uh pretty pretty exhilarating if you can ask me. Uh, yeah, Russ, I've had a chance to you know I've had a chance to sit with you uh, on a couple of occasions, watch some races with you. And uh, for those that don't know, Russ Adams, Russ, a very good handicapper. Uh, one more time, Russ, uh, for anybody that uh, that has Facebook, and most everybody does nowadays, that may want to uh, you know kind of join your forum uh, on Facebook. How can they do that? How can they uh, catch your page? Just uh, just click on the top of the header, say right uh, Real Harness Handicapping Group, and then just hit uh, just hit. Um, Select, just hit the uh, OK button on there, or I think it's connect or, or, or add friend or whatever it is nowadays. Just hit that, and then I'll approve it within so many hours, or or, or Joe J. Cox will uh, approve it. That's the uh, other guy that runs the group with me, and and uh, he's a he's a good guy. And, uh, and I thought he if he loves the sport as much as I do, so I thought he could share the group with me, and you know, and it's it's really it's really taken off. Yeah, it certainly it certainly has. Uh, love reading that. You get a lot of different handicapping perspectives. A lot of people giving their picks. Of course, you're a regular contributor on there as well as Joe. 2016 nominee for the Race Fan of the Year, Russ Adams. Russ, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Good luck next Thursday. Hey, I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, uh, you guys take care.
And right now we're visiting with 2016 Race Fan of the Year nominee Steve Roth, the photographer at Buffalo Raceway. Steve, how are you, sir? Great. How are you today? Doing fantastic. Well, first, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the sport of harness racing. Um, the track photographer at Buffalo Raceway had some medical issues at one point and needed some help. Asked somebody to, to come and fill in a couple days a week, and that ended up being me. And eventually I just moved into the spot full-time, and year number four starts January 11th for me. Wow, yeah, getting uh, ready to get started already up at uh, Buffalo Raceway. Steve, what does the sport of harness racing mean to you? Being born and raised in Batavia, it's been part of my life all the way through from the days when there were nine and 10,000 people coming in every night and you had to make sure you were in your driveway to now when it's the perfect, uh, retirement position for me. Um, chomping at the bit for January to get back and, and see my friends and be back in the winter circle and taking pictures. Um, I do attend at Batavia almost every evening. I've been a little lax lately due to some problems, but you know, I, I, it's almost like we're a family up here and it's like having a family reunion every night. Everybody has one, Steve. I know we talked a little bit about it off the air, and sometimes this could be a tough question to answer because uh, to a lot of people there's so many of them. But if you had to pinpoint one, what would be your favorite harness racing moment? I don't know if it counts as a harness racing moment because it really didn't happen on the track. It happened over in the barns. But the first year that I was at Buffalo, I was asked to go over and get some shots of Sean McDonough because they needed them for hoofbeats. And the second year it was, can you get some pictures of Drew Monty again for hoofbeats? And just the honor of being in that magazine, two of my first three years in, in this job, would probably be, you know, definitely would be the high point for me. Steve Roth, he is the track photographer at Buffalo Raceway, and he is a finalist for the 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike Race Fan of the Year. Steve, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Good luck next Thursday. Thank you. If you haven't voted yet, do so now on our website at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Still more to come on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. When we come back, we'll have more right after this. Sensational Sweet Lou is standing stud at Diamond Creek Farms for a stud fee of only $7,500. As a two-year-old, Sweet Lou's scent and still holds the world record for two-year-old paces on a mile track that sensational mark of 149. Sweet Lou currently holds the world record for aged and all-age paces on a 5-8 mile track at 147. 
the Great White Blaze, earned his nickname in the summer of 2014 when he won 10 consecutive races with 6 consecutive wins in sub-148. He is the only pacer in harness racing history to achieve this feat. One of Sweet Lou's most thrilling victories includes a second over in the William Houghton Memorial in 147-1 in July of 2014. The first two books sold quickly for Sweet Lou's in his third year. Don't get shut out. Visit DiamondCreekFarm.com. The Dan Patch and O'Brien two-year-old Colt Trotter of the Year, Southwind Frank, is standing at Diamond Creek Farm for the low stud fee of only $10,000. Southwind Frank won the 2015 Breeders' Crown for two-year-old Colt Trotters. Also, many memorable wins on Southwind Frank's resume, including the Old Deal, Peter Houghton Memorial, William Wellwood Memorial, and the Colonial Trot. Southwind Frank set stakes records during his wins in the International Sire Stakes and New Jersey Sire Stakes. Southwind Frank finished in the top three in 24 out of 26 races during his career. For more information, visit DiamondCreekFarm.com. Standing at Hickory Lane Farm in Ohio in 2017 will be all bets off. The $2 million plus winning son of Better's Delight finished a hard closing third to always be Mickey in 146-2, pacing the fourth fastest mile in harness racing history in Mickey's world record performance. Don't get shut out. It is anticipated, based upon the early demand, that the syndication will sell out by December 1st. For more information, visit hickorylanefarm.com. Here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. Part two of our Race Fan of the Year is coming up next. And this is your uh, last week for the Post Time with Mike and Mike Wards, uh, Mike Bozich. And, you know, we want to remind everybody, one vote per person. We've had a uh, we've had a few votes kicked out. I've noticed the uh, uh, number of votes kind of go down uh, over the past as we, we submit our votes uh, probably once every couple of days to our third-party vendor and let them do their thing. And, uh, you know, when they uh, when they come back, sometimes the uh, numbers are up, sometimes they're down. And uh, we just want to remind everybody there is one vote per person. So uh, that is next week, Mike Bozich, 7.30 start time. We've got a uh, special show. Yeah, if you haven't voted yet, do so now and post time with Mike and Mike.com. But, Mike, you bring up a good point. Like you say, if you uh, if you vote more than once, it's just simply a waste of your time. And like we even warned you before, that if you vote more than once, not only do your duplicate votes get kicked out, but your original vote gets kicked out as well. So please, only one vote per person. And if you're doing it more than once, then it's uh, pretty much a waste of time, and you lose your original vote. So it's you're not accomplishing anything by it. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly it was uh, great to talk uh, to the race fans, uh, their nominees. Uh, and it's uh, coming up next week. We still have, uh, like you say, four more interviews that we have to do before this show's over. That's going to go into an automatic close. So this will be the last time you'll actually hear our voices live before the big day coming up next Thursday, 7.30 post. If you don't follow us on social media, do so now. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Also, Mike, uh, throughout the course of the next couple of days, We'll be having uh, some videos highlighting the nominees for all the awards. So that'll be coming out. We'll share that on social media, and uh, that'll be on our YouTube channel uh, as well. So 
keep an eye out for that. And, uh, Mike, I can't wait, buddy. 7.30 next week. I am fired up and excited. Week next Thursday, our 2016 Post Time with Mike Mike Award Show. It's the second year we've done this, and uh, we're certainly excited to bring it to you. Well, part two of the Race Fan of the Year is coming up next. We will catch you next Thursday with the first post of 7.30. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet American. Right now, we're joined by one of the nominees for the 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike Race Fan of the Year Award, the one, the only, Sydney Weavers. Sydney, how are you tonight? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. All right. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and how you got started in the sport of harness racing. Well, um, I'm 16 years old. I live in Canada, so the closest track to me is Mohawk. I got started, I would have been about eight when I first got into harness racing. We actually started a charity fundraiser up here, me and my dad, and just meeting the people that he knew from the sport and just getting involved with the people. That's what really drew me into the sport. And so just from then on out, I met friends and knew the business was the place that I wanted to be in. Sydney, what does the sport of harness racing mean to you on a personal level? Oh, gosh, the sport of harness racing means so many things to me. But at the core root of it all for me, it's family. Um, The people that I've been able to meet in the business have truly treated me like family, and they really mean everything to me, from some of my worst days to some of my best days, not only with horse racing-related stuff, but personally, they've also supported me a lot, and they've uh, supported me through all my physical endeavors like when it comes to standing and walking and stuff like that and they've always been there for me so I think to me they they've just it's a sense of family and that's what it means to me Sydney, we're going to pin you down here for a moment because this is uh, one of the toughest questions, and I know we talked a little bit about it off the air, and, and I know you've got you're you're so young, you're only 16, but I know you have many so far, and that's your favorite harness racing moment. Let's pick one. There's been a lot. Um, definitely watching Wiggle It and Lost and Lost Boards and the Little Brown Jug. That was a pretty incredible moment only because that was my first jug, and I had people coming up to me after, and I'll never forget this moment, and saying that they had seen many, many jugs, and that was one of the best jugs they've seen, and it was, and it was a good thing that I was there to see that jug in particular. Um, also, probably just to bring it to, to the Canadian side of the border, watching up the credit win the North America Cup, uh, for my friends, Carl Jameson, uh, and I got the, and there's so many memories around that day because I actually got to go to the winner's circle for that race and just the excitement and the energy in that winner's circle. And then after the race, Jody Jameson was walking by, and I didn't really know Jody that well at the time, but he actually gave me his North America Cup ball cap, and he signed it. And after he walked away, and I'm going to get misty at Thinking back to it now, he and I'll never forget this. He put it on my head, and the moment that he turned his back and walked back to the paddock, I started to cry, just because it was all these emotions and the energy and the excitement, and it was just surreal. So those are a couple of my favorites, but 
her moments, and that's personal to me and special. It's definitely being there for the birth of uh, baby Joe, my foal, my filly. Mm-hmm. And just being there for her because it was my first full, well, it is my first full. And just being there, kind of almost like a fairy tale moment in the movies. Being there for her when she stands up and she's wet and seeing pinky liquor. And it was just one of those moments that I'll never forget. And of course, seeing, being there for Pinky's first win, that was a special day for me, not only because it was my first win as an owner, but just the whole celebration of it all, and just how excited everybody was for me. Like, I cheered everybody else on and watched them, and then seeing the reaction that they got when I got my first win. And I think it's just, there's been a lot of good moments and a lot of special moments, and all of them hold a place in my heart. We're here with Brandon Valbo, a 2016 nominee for Race Fan of the Year here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. Brandon, how are you, sir? Hey, Mike. I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in the sport of harness racing. Uh, well, I got started in the sport of harness racing, I guess, five or six years ago. Um, I've always had an interest in the horses. I've always really liked horse racing, but I had never really been to the track, even living near Saratoga, so... Uh, one night, we, I really bugged my parents and finally got them to take me to the harness track. Uh, and, you know, it was just kind of a fun at first sight kind of deal, I guess you could say. You know, I just really liked the handicapping and the horses, and it all just kind of clicked, you know. So that's kind of how I got started. It wasn't a family thing or anything like that. It was just, um, I was just interested in it, and it just clicked with me. And, of course, you do some work for Harness Racing America, especially on the international scene. You've really take, uh, or taken quite a liking to uh, international racing, and I know you do a lot as far as uh, producing lines and so forth that maybe uh, some of the U.S. residents uh, would never see. What was? Uh, how'd you get your start kind of liking international harness racing? Well, first it was on Twitter. Probably my first exposure to it because it's so easy to keep track of everything on there. You know, you can just follow all the different accounts and all of a sudden, you know, you can almost be an expert on the racing there. Um, because for as many differences as there are, there's a lot of similarities too. So if you, if you can understand U.S. racing, you can pretty much understand anywhere, even if you don't speak the language. Like, I don't speak French, but I can follow the French racing. Um, as far as why I got into it, you know, I, I just love the racing. I love standard breads and I love the horses so it's kind of silly to me to be a racing fan in this day and age and to just kind of assume that you're seeing the best there is or the best we have to offer just in the u.s um not to say we don't have great horses here we do but there's a lot of great horses racing all over the world and i don't want to miss out on seeing any great horses like um bold eagle who i was very lucky to get to see this summer in person and um tomoko and down under Lenny the Shark right now and those kind of horses. So just great racing all over, and I really don't like to miss any of it. Brandon, what would you say the sport of harness racing means to you? Um, you know, it's it's obviously a very important part of my life. Um, I've spent, you know, just countless, countless hours watching 
racing, writing about racing, handicapping. You know, I've put a lot of money into betting and, you know, owning horses. And so it, it, uh, it's a big part of my life. And, you know, people ask, sometimes people ask, what are my hobbies? And pretty much racing is all there is because it takes up so much time. But um, that's the way I like it, and I really wouldn't have it any other way. Brandon, you're a young guy, but uh, I think for your age, you've seen a lot of harness racing, both here in the States uh, and, of course, uh, international. Let's pin you down. Give us one of your favorite harness racing moments. Yeah, so I actually was thinking about this over the summer a bit, and I penned uh, a column about it, um, just kind of reflecting on it. It was 2013 Breeders' Town. It was my first time really going to a major harness racing event, and my first time with press access to one, uh, it was at Pocono Downs, and the, my favorite moment would have to be, and, and there's a lot of great moments, but I think my favorite one would have to be the, the open pace, the Breeders' Town open pace in 2013 when Boyle again just edged Pet Rock by a nose. It was a really, I mean, it was a fantastic race. It was a sensational race, and then um, to have, you know, kind of the insider access for the first time and to get to after that race, go back to the paddock and see this, you know, great horse in the paddock and talk to people and everything. It was one of my favorite moments ever. And, um, you know, I was really glad to be able to write about that and kind of try and put other people into that position where I was because not everybody's, you know, that lucky that they get to be face-to-face with these champions. So um, that was definitely my favorite moment and probably my favorite story that I've ever written Brandon Valvo, he's one of the nominees for the 2016 Race Fan of the Year. He's also our international correspondent here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. And, uh, Brandon, we wish you the best of luck coming up uh, in the voting next Thursday. And I guess the fans are going to be hearing your voice a lot more in the next coming months as uh, we kind of shift from the local stakes races here in the States to some of the uh, great action going on overseas. I know uh, there were some heats of the Inter-Dominion, uh, all the great races coming up overseas. Real quick, Brandon, before we let you go, what is some of the things in the next maybe couple weeks or month that we should be looking out for in, uh, in terms of international racing? Yeah, I'm always happy to join you guys to talk about international racing. I think um, coming up, you've got some major preps for the pre uh, in Paris, and you've got the Inter-Dominion final, so I think before uh, the next time we talk, it should still be before the Inter-Dominion final, so we can talk about that, we can talk about some of those big preps, so Bold um, Eagle and I think Smoker should be racing soon, so um, lots to look forward to overseas. Brandon, we'll be talking to you soon, my friend. Good luck next Thursday. Alright, thank you very much. Visiting live with uh, 2016 Race Fan of the Year nominee, Raymond Lance. Raymond, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Oh, not a problem. All right. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the sport of harness racing. Well, back in 1994, I was a manager of a McDonald's, and Don Harmon, who was a driver at Northfield Park, came into the restaurant. I didn't know who Don was, but I knew who his son Greg was, because Greg was a driver at the time, and I pretty much just walked out to the table that they were sitting at and asked what I had to do to get to the harness racing business. And before Don even opened his mouth, his wife, Marge, said, be at the track tomorrow. So I you know, had the day off, so I showed up and, you know, from there, I mean, the first 
I mean, I didn't touch a horse for the first three months. I mean, I had to clean stalls. I would clean equipment. Uh, Don became a judge. And I told Don I still wanted to do this. Well, Don told me to go next door and talk to John Oliverio. And John had 20 horses at the time. Uh, same thing. When we worked for John, I cleaned stalls. I cleaned equipment. One night, one of his grooms didn't show up. Uh, John pulled out a harness bag, put the equipment on the floor, and said, get this horse ready. You're paddocking tonight. And that was the first horse I ever paddocked. I mean, I had knee boots on wrong. I had hobbles on wrong. John came out and said, you know, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. We fixed the problem. But, but, but from then on, you know, I always had a paddock every night after that. So on and off, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've worked for numerous people. Uh, you mentioned Don Harmon, uh, Raymond, of course, Don. Uh, I see Don every day. He's the presiding judge now at Harris, Philadelphia, and uh, he's certainly a great judge at that. What does uh, the sport of harness racing mean to you? It's just, to me, it's a, it's a passion. I mean, I do a, a lot of things. I mean, I shoot pictures, I groom, I I warm up. Just, it's something I've, I've been doing on and off for 20 years, and it's just, it's a sport that I love, and I like to promote it any way I can. I mean, I take the pictures, I share them on, you know, I share them on Facebook, I share them on Twitter, I share them with, you know, other drivers when I take the pictures. It's just, you know, it, I enjoy the sport, I like to, and I like to promote it any way I can. Now, we talked a little bit about this off the air, and obviously this is a tough question because there's so many great uh, harness racing moments to choose from for everybody, but uh, your personal best, your uh, personal favorite harness racing moment. Uh, my, as soon as you asked me that off the air earlier, I, I mean, I had my answer for that earlier. Uh, last year in 2015, I had a perfect bags for Joanne Looney at Northfield Park on the undercard of Milstein Knight when she set the track record for for three-year-old Philly Pacers, and she went in 50. I think she went in 52 and three that night. I remember Timmy Tietrich getting off the bike and saying, look at look at the horse's ears, and Timmy hadn't even pulled the earplugs out. Timmy said I could have gone in 50 if I wanted to. Wow. It's just, to me, that was one of my, you know, biggest moments. And I've paddocked the horse, you know, several times for Joanne. I mean, I traveled to Dayton just to paddock the horse for her the one time. I mean, I enjoy working for her. And she, I mean, I know she's nominated, and she's a great, she's a great person to work for to get a chance. All right, Raymond Lance, uh, nominee of the 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike Race Fan of the Year Award. Raymond, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck uh, next Thursday night. Thanks for having me, Mike. Have a nice day. Right now we're joined by one of the nominees for the 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike Race Fan of the Year, Tom Dubrick, calling from uh, beautiful Anderson, Indiana, my home state. Tom, how are you? Good, how are you? You're doing a great job on the show. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, listen, before we get any further, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how uh, you got involved in the sport of harness racing. Uh, I grew up in the Chicago area. I come from a big family who really, they like racing. My father and brother were mutual clerks at the Chicago track. I, you know, we had six kids, my two sisters. I hated to stay home with on the weekends, and my father started taking me to track, including in about 1972 at Aurora Downs. But through the 70s, I was going to Sportsman's in Hawthorne, and when I got out of college at Loyola, I moved to Lexington, Kentucky that year. My first job was in Lexington, so I started going there. But I had been to Red Mile a number of times before that through college, even my last year of high school. And I was, you know, I knew a lot of people with horses, and I you know, business was friendly to me, and I, I liked the business, so that's really my start. 
Tom, what does the sport of harness racing mean to you? A lot. It, it basically afforded me a livelihood because it's turned out, you know, I'm a CPA and I went to law school. I made a lot of friends and clients, including veterinarians, owners that really like harness racing. A lot of met horses really throughout Illinois, Kentucky, and in the later days, Indiana. But, you know, back then, Indiana racing wasn't big except at the state fair. It means a lot. It's To me, it's the most professional sport of all, including the NBA, the NFL, although I do like hockey. I used to have baseball tickets, and I remember telling Jim Miller one day, I like harness racing more than baseball. I never thought I'd say that. We're going to pin you down now, my friend. Favorite harness racing moment? My favorite harness racing moment was probably a horse that Bill Houghton trained. He was in Ernie, with Ernie Gaskin the day Trenton went the world record at Springfield. Uh, it would have been August of 82. The world record, I think Weekings go one that day, the world record for Trotton Phillies. Although I got a 2A, if you don't mind, one more. Sure. I think the day Nihilator win Park the Mile at Lexington in 84, as a, or 83 or 84 as a two-year-old, he won Park the Mile over Nia first in Clint Galbraith's throw. They were from the first class from Niatros, who I saw in 79, I believe it was, at the Red Mile with the world record time trial. The day those two Colts battled it out down the stretch, Kurt Green made the call. I mean, they went, they battled all the way down the lane and went into a strong headwind. They went to mile, I think, 52 and 4, and Nia Little was parked the mile. I thought that was the greatest thing I ever saw. you heard from the nominees for the 2016 post time with mike and mike race fan of the year if you haven't voted yet you can vote now log on to our website post time with mike and mike.com only a few short days left to do so well it's closing time for not only the voting soon but our program on behalf of mike carter it's mike bozich once again join us next week for a very special post time 7:30. it's our 2016 post time with mike and mike award show next week 7.30 start time. Good night, everybody. I know who wants to take me home. I know.